Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. For the new listeners out there, I'm a financial planner in St. Louis, Missouri, with clients in almost 20 different states now, and I spend my work week helping clients and being there to guide them through their retirement planning process. There's a lot of clients that we work with that are not yet retired and that are just a couple years away. There's other clients that are already retired and enjoying those golden years of their life. And there are so many questions that come up. And essentially what we try to do is help people fill in the gaps and really be there as their financial advocate to sure up all those shortcomings and all the different mistakes that we might see them you know, making or and they may not know they're making. On today's episode, we are gonna talk about two crucial mistakes that we have seen people make over the years, and they're two mistakes that you don't need to make to begin with. You can, you can just avoid altogether, and you won't have to ever worry about the repercussions of these two risks. They're really just risks that, that people take, undue risks, unnecessary risks. It's kind of like driving around with brakes that don't work. The brakes are shot, they're squealing, and when you come to a red light, they just kind of grind. And just imagine that you were traveling, you were going 60 down the highway, and all of a sudden you needed to stop without warning to avoid rear-ending the person ahead of you. And just imagine the squealing of those brakes and the grinding and, and as you just skidded forward. Again, if you had replaced those brakes and you had a good, safe, solid set of brakes, you'd be able to stop on time and you'd be safe, safe and sound. But by putting off replacing those brakes, you've got to understand you're taking risks that you really don't need to. There's risks out there that are totally avoidable just by you know having a little common sense and, and thinking about it. It's kind of like if, if I'm driving and I see some debris on the road and it looks like, I don't know, wood or a piece of metal or something like that, well, I'm just going to veer around it. There are some people that say, well, I got good tires. I'll just drive over it. You don't know if there's nails or some piece of metal sticking out there that's going to puncture your tire. I'm going to avoid the risk altogether, slow down and veer around the piece of metal or the wood so my tires are safe and I don't run the risk of puncturing a tire and it ruins my day because I got a flat and all that kind of stuff. But I see people all the time that just run right over that stuff and it, it catches up with them. It's just a risk they don't need to take. Just avoid the risk altogether and you'll be so much better off. So on today's episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast, we're going to talk about two of the avoidable risks that I see people taking all the time in retirement. And I just get frustrated sometimes because I've seen people make these same mistakes. And really, when we're planning for retirement, we want a positive outcome. That's all people want. They want a comfortable retirement with a positive outcome. So if you think about these mistakes that people make, these avoidable risks, by not avoiding them, you might have an okay outcome. That's the best case scenario. You'll have an okay outcome. Just by running over that debris in the road, maybe you don't get a flat tire. But worst case, you have a disaster and you get two flat tires and Maybe it pierces your oil plant pan underneath your vehicle and you run out of oil and it destroys your engine and your vehicle is destroyed. Same thing with these retirement mistakes. 
maybe it has just a, a fatal consequences by not avoiding them altogether, you have a disaster retirement. However, if you do avoid these mistakes, you've got a higher probability of a comfortable, okay retirement. And really, there's no downside. You're n- there's no opportunity cost here. By swerving around that metal in the road, I'm just not going to get a flat tire. I can just continue on my way. So let's talk about these two avoidable risks that people take on today's episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I do want to remind listeners, check out our website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. That's retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. There's a lot of free resources there underneath the resources tab that are available for free. We don't charge and we don't flood you with spam or anything like that. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. And if you do have questions, we're happy to help. At the bottom of the website, it'll say, ask Greg a question, and I'll get back with you with my honest, my best advice. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this. Two avoidable risks that people take that you should avoid, if at all possible, in retirement. Number one, and I see this all the time, and typically it's with people that have worked for a publicly traded company a long time right? Maybe they have accumulated a lot of shares of their company's stock. And you know where I'm going with this. So here in St. Louis, there's a lot of Boeing. There's a lot of people that work for Boeing. It used to be McDonnell Douglas. It's now Boeing. So they may have a lot of shares of Boeing stock, of company stock. There's a lot of people that own AT&T stock. And as you know, when you're betting the farm on one thing, which is that company stock, that single stock, It's kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. If you drop the basket, not a good outcome there. And people get emotional with company stock because they feel so much loyalty to their employer, maybe their former employer. And I, you know, my mom and dad worked there all their life or whatever it happens to be. We're going to support that company and own their stock and be a shareholder in that stock. I'm okay with being a shareholder. I think that's terrific. It's how much you become a shareholder. For example, most pension plans will not have more than 10% in any one investment. They deem it too much risk. So kind of the rule of thumb is, yes, if you're passionate about that company and and owning a big share in that company and owning the company stock, that's cool. Just try to limit that to 5 to 10% of your entire portfolio. I think if you talk to enough people, you'll have conversations with people. And I have a couple of clients, for example, that used to work for WorldCom. Well, WorldCom went bankrupt, right? Now they work for Verizon. But think about the shares that they had. They had thousands and thousands of shares in WorldCom company stock, right? Well, if it goes to zero, if the share price goes to zero, what happened to those thousand shares of stock? They're worthless, worthless. And there's no coming back. Same thing, there was years ago, I live outside of St. Louis, and there's a GM, General Motors, a factory here outside of St. Louis, and there was a guy on the news that was right at retirement, still working for GM. He had his entire retirement was banked on GM. Not only the pension, but his retirement savings were 100% in GM stock, and he hired an attorney and was saying, I need to be made whole here 
because the GM stock went to zero, right? In 2008, it was a terrible time. And by June of 2009, the stock was worthless. The GM stock was worthless. And so people, if your life savings were in GM stock, guess what? You've now got zero. Now, what happened is General Motors ended up coming with coming out with common stock that is now you can buy it in the stock market. But those old existing grandfather, they got nothing. If you owned GM stock before, that was the former shares of GM stock. So you can buy new stock, but you've got nothing from residual from the old stock. So why would you buy the new stock? Boeing through the COVID crisis is another example. It started the year in 2020 at $332 a share, Boeing did. I have, there's a lot of Boeing people that we work with here in St. Louis and, and across the country. But during the, the crash, the COVID crash, it went from $332 a share to $95 a share. And there were people that were calling me that weren't clients that said, hey, what do I do? I have so much of my retirement is invested not only in the pension at Boeing, but also the company stock. And now I'm, I'm sitting here just within a matter of months, really, the stock price of Boeing went from $332 a share to $95 a share. What do I do? There's uh, the most famous, another story, one of the most famous financial advisors used to be the top advisor in the country, top independent advisor in the country. He tells the story of a client that he used to work with years ago that went to his church. And this person owned a ton of stock. His, his company got bought out by a company called Enron. And the stock price was just soaring. It was just doing so well. And this person said, I can't sell my company stock because it's just been doing so well. And I'm going to regret if I ever sell. Well, you know what ended up having to the Enron stock deal. Of course, it went to zero when they filed bankruptcy and there was all that fraud. But if he just would have listened to this advisor and sold off pieces here and there to diversify, just having all your eggs in one basket, all your money in that one stock just opens you up to so much risks that's just unnecessary. And I'm not telling you that, yeah, your company's not strong and doesn't have a bright future. It's we don't know what the future is going to hold. So if you just diversify and still keep a nice position, 10% at the max is what I would, generally speaking, recommend, you're still comfortable with that portion. But also keep in mind, it doesn't destroy you if you end up into an Enron situation, a WorldCom, or something like that. I often talk about retirements like being unemployed for 30 years. It's like a big vacation, right? You're not working. Would you rather go on vacation with 20 different outfits or go into vacation packing one outfit the entire time? That's like owning one single stock. It just doesn't make sense to me. Another thing that doesn't make sense to me, if you are, let me tell the story of uh, John Wooden. You may know the name John Wooden. The man lived, he just passed away in 2010 at age 99. He was the UCLA men's basketball coach for many years. He won 10 championships in 12 years. That's something that's never going to be accomplished ever again. And you can read his biography, and he talks about a lesson that he learned, him and his wife, and this was in the Depression, him and his wife were saving for their wedding. They were wanting to get married and save for this nice wedding. And I know saving for a wedding to pay cash, that's, that's a quaint concept. People don't do that anymore. But 
I am a uh, Dave Ramsey advisor with a Dave Ramsey philosophy where we save up and we pay cash for weddings and vehicles and things like that. Quaint concept, but that's what they did back then is they saved up and they paid cash for this wedding. That was their plan. Well, it came the day, and he says this in his autobiography, where him and his wife had reached that magic number where they had enough to pay cash for their wedding. And once it hit that number, they walked hand in hand down to the bank to withdraw the money that they needed for their wedding. And they found that the bank had closed overnight. There were bars and and chains on the door of the bank you know the end of the story. The bank had closed. All their money was gone. There was no FDIC insurance back then. FDR actually implemented the what we now know as FDIC insurance. They would have been better off. And of course, they wouldn't have thought the worst of the worst. The bank would close. But they were out that money. And today, it's it's very similar to people, like for someone single at the bank, the FDIC insurance limit for your checking account that you have is $250,000. So people that have more than $250,000 in a single bank account, you know, a single person here, they haven't heard the story of John Wooden losing all of his money and his fiance at that time. But it's just a risk that you don't need to take. Just go to another bank and open up another account if you have more than $250,000. Because worst case, great, your $250,000 is protected, the FDIC insurance, but you've got, yeah, it's it's another bank account you have over here at bank number B or credit union B, but all your money's protected. So my lesson for today's podcast is to identify the risks that you can avoid and you don't need to take in the first place. And number two, the number two avoidable risk that so many people make, and I've seen it over and over again, is with their pension. Maybe they have a corporate pension or a municipal pension, and the thing is not really well-funded, meaning at some point in time, there's not going to be enough money to pay out to all these retirees. And the pension's broken somewhere. So the only thing the pension can do at that point to maintain the integrity is to decrease the pension payment amounts to all the retirees. And I know there are some people, if it's a corporate pension, that will say, well, Greg, there's a Pension Protection Act. Well, read the fine print on that. You won't be too happy. But I've had clients that have brought in the paperwork for their pensions, and we're looking at it, and we're seeing that the pension is fully is 70% fully funded. If you were getting on an airplane, and they said, you know, this engine's pretty old on this, in this airplane, right? You got a 70% chance of making it there. Are you getting on this airplane? What if they said the next airplane, well, we got an 85, 86% chance of getting it. This, this engine's a little bit better, newer aircraft. But it's, again, we're, this pension's 85, 86% funded. What are you doing? I'm not getting on either airplane. I'm walking. I'm taking a bus or something like that. And believe me, I, from experience, I've had clients bring in letters. I'll pick on the hostess pension. Client gets a letter in the mail, worked at hostess for uh, 30 years, about 30 years, gets a letter in the mail saying, hey, guess what? I know you retired 10 years ago, but because the pension is so poorly run and underfunded, your pension is going to go down $800 a month. That's the best we can do. Be happy with that. I've had other clients that are 
in municipal pensions and they get letters in the mail saying, hey, we re-ran the numbers. There's not, you know, the pension's underfunded at this point. Again, we were thinking our estimates were going to be X dollars a month. Guess what? They're going to be this dollar a month. So if the pension, of course, doesn't have a lump sum option, really the pension's out of your control. You're just hoping it's well-funded. But if it does have that lump sum option, you have the ability to get bought out and then you don't have to worry about it. Then you can have a worry-free retirement, not wondering if, man, I hope there's enough money in it that my pension checks are going to continue. And I've had other people that say to me, well, my pension is 92% funded at this point. Well, it's 92% funded at this point today but you're going to be retired for 30 years, do you think it's going to continue to be over the next 30 years funded at 92% or higher? Or do you think there's a possibility that it may start to go downhill over the next 30 years? Because we're talking about a pension that has to pay out over the next 30 years for not only your life, maybe your spouse's life. And how much confidence do you have in that pension? If it's me and this is just me personally, I don't have a pension for that matter. I'm an independent business owner. But if I did, if I was in that position, I am not going to take the risk of the success of my retirement banking on that we have a, a positive outcome for this pension plan. To me, it's just so much liability and risk. And you talk about someone that loses sleep at night. I wish I could have people talk to this client of mine that retired from Hostess many years ago and got that letter in the mail. And the letter, I've seen it, it's covered in tears because he was never told when he started the pension many years ago that, hey, we're going to send you a letter in your 10th year of retirement and we're going to cut your pension benefit by over 30%. If he would have known that, he probably would have pushed out his retirement date. So to recap today, two avoidable risks are owning too much company stock. And I've met so many people that greater than 50% of their portfolio is in their company stock, or maybe it's mom or dad's company stock. Ameren's a big company here in St. Louis that a lot of people tend to have a lot in. Also, these pension plans and having so much riding on the success and the durability of that pension plan over the next 30 years, how confident are you that your pension plan is going to be in great shape like in 30 years like it is today. It's just risks that you don't need to take if that lump sum option is available. In a lot of cases, that's the more practical, prudent way to go. It allows you the ability to have some control. If the pension plan's running the way it is, you've got no control over the decisions that are made in that pension plan. But if you, if you do take the lump sum option, you certainly have control and decision-making ability there. So I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful. Check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And remember, always dream big.
The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The Smart Investor Program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor Smart Investor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC.